so glad that you're with us. And we know that the spirit of God is ready to speak expressly uh, to everybody that's with us today. Uh, whenever you're listening, uh, Lord is going to bless you in a special way. We're going to open up with the word of God this morning from uh, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one, begin with verse 15. This is the uh, apostle Paul and his letter to the church at Ephesus. But this is really the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now under the sound of my voice. In verse 15 in Ephesians chapter one, it says, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, we're in uh, Ephesians chapter two now, wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward you and his kindness toward me through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Isn't that encouraging? That was Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through um, chapters 2 and verse 10. Glory to God. So glad that you're with us. Welcome again to Shore Foundation Church. I'm Pastor John. There is a word from the Lord for you today. And the spirit of God is about ready to explode and release that word so that you can be blessed and strengthened and encouraged. Uh, we believe for the word in due season. Let's go into prayer right now. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We give you glory, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy that's over our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that even when we are unsure and uncertain, and when we feel lost and, and displaced, we thank you, Lord God, that you are our God and our times are in your hand. Father, we thank you for your word that would locate us this morning. We thank you, Lord, for a step ordering word this morning. The Holy Spirit, we ask you to settle right now on this service. Lord, wherever your people are, 
And whenever they're hearing this, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are settling on their heart and on their mind. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to rise on the inside of them and then rest upon them. And we thank you, Lord God, that they will be clothed with your goodness and your mercy and your favor. We thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against your people can prosper, that every tongue that rises against them, the Lord shall condemn, for this is their inheritance as servants of the Lord, but not sons, but not servants only, but also sons and daughters of the Most High God, and their righteousness is of you and not their own. So we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. I decree the blood of Jesus over every man, woman, boy, girl, over every person. Uh, whatever they are, whatever they feel they are, that is listening. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy and for this great love wherewith you have loved us. And we ask you, Lord God, to speak expressly unto your people this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher and the revealer of the word and that you are revealing the, the, the secret things of the tabernacle this morning. And now, Lord, behold the threatenings of the enemy, but grant unto your servant that with all boldness I would make known the mystery of the gospel by stretching forth your hand to heal and lifting up your voice that signs and wonders might be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And we give you glory and praise for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to jump right in the word this morning. I'm really excited about what the spirit of God is going to say. The, the message for this morning is that the Lord wants to preserve you from trouble that you can see and trouble that you can't see. The message this morning that the Lord will preserve you from trouble known and unknown. And I want to encourage you this morning that, um, and we know we've said this in previous weeks, that, that the Lord is good. He's merciful. He came that you might have life and have abundant life. But we have a real enemy, and his name is the devil. His name is Satan. And he's come to steal and to kill and to, and to destroy. And that's according to John chapter 10. Right around verse 10, it talks about how Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But Satan wants to steal, you know, Satan wants to steal from God's family. And so he wants to steal from you. You're God's family. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You know, you're precious in his sight. You're the apple of his eye. And the Lord came to redeem you and Satan comes to destroy you. And so, um, you know, maybe you're here today and you are a young person just married or maybe not married that long. Maybe you're married for a long time, regardless of how long you've been married. God wants you to be blessed and fruitful in that marriage. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be in love with your spouse, just like when you first met your spouse and first fell in love. And Jesus came for you to have that abundant marriage. And Satan has come to steal from your marriage. He's come to, to bring uh, destruction to your marriage. He's come to, to distract you and bring distraction into your marriage and, and cause you and your spouse to feel like, you know, you're not on the same page. So God, Jesus is the, is the abundant life giver and Satan is the destroyer, and, and Jesus came that we might have life, according to John chapter 10. But there is a real devil, and sometimes there are snares and there are traps that the enemy sets for us. I'm gonna, we're going to show you in the word today how, um, you know, really the, the greater uh, the, the, the manifestation of God's grace is upon your life, the greater the snares of the enemy to try to entrap you so that you don't reach your calling. Because, you know, the devil... You know, the word demon, the word demon means a knowing one. Now we know that God is all knowing. He's omniscient, right? He's all knowing. But the devil, demons, they are knowing ones. So they're not omniscient like God, but they've been around for a long time. They investigate. The word of God says that in the book of Proverbs, that the enemy will stalk the precious life. 
So if you're a precious life, God has called you. The Lord's love is on you. You know, his grace is upon you. His favor is resting on you, surrounding you like a shield, according to Psalm chapter five, then the enemy is definitely going to try to stalk you. So we want to show you in the word what the Lord will do to preserve you and how merciful God is and how the Lord will literally pull out all stops if that's what it takes to preserve his people and to keep us from destruction. So um, we're going to open up here with Psalm chapter 124, and then we're going to run over into the Old Testament, into 1 Samuel. And we got a lot of scriptures this morning. Uh, so if you can't follow along, it's okay. You can you can uh, listen to the message again. We are on YouTube. We're on uh, every major podcast platform. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And the messages will be there as well. And uh, so we encourage you. So Psalm chapter 124, verse 1, this is a song of degrees of David. And we're going to talk a lot about David this morning. Um, my oldest son's name is David. David means beloved. And um, we know that God had a, a hand on David's life. God had ordained that the uh, that Jesus come from the line of David, uh, come from the, the town of Bethlehem. That was the town of David. Uh, and this is one of his songs. Um, and I love what I love about David is that as, as amazing as he was, as graced as he was, as a uh, as, as uh, strong as he was, as much of a mighty warrior as he was, he was just so tender and he loved the Lord with all of his heart. And I believe that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be a lion, but he wants us to be a lamb in his presence. So Psalm chapter 124 verse one says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, oh my God, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. And here we go, verse seven says, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I'm going to read verse seven again. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This word in verse seven, this word soul, we've been talking a lot about soul in recent weeks. This is not soul in the sense of just mind, will, uh, emotions, intellect, imagination. This is soul in the, in the sense of a person's life, you know, like they're everything, you know, who they are, everything they have, you know, their lifestyle, you know, the, the, their, their person, this word soul means uh, a person's life. And, it's, and then it says uh, escaped. And this word escape means slipped away. It means uh, delivered. It also means um, snatched away with violence, you know, because that's how the Lord, that's what it takes sometimes for God to, to deliver us from ourselves and from the traps of the enemy, sometimes the Lord has to snatch us away violently and quickly to get us out of harm's way. You know, in the same way that a parent, you know, with the parent of a toddler, if that toddler has wandered out into the street and a car is coming and the car doesn't see the child, it's the same way that a parent would rush to their child's aid uh, and that it, would, it might be violent. They might push their child violently or dive and, and tackle their child to try to protect them and get them out of the way. That's this, That's what it means when it says escaped. It's uh, the Lord delivering us with violence and with and with uh, uh, fervency and with uh, great urgency. 
if necessary. And it says our souls escape as a bird out of the snare. And that word snare, it just means a trap. But it does, doesn't just mean a trap. It means a specific trap for a specific person at a specific time. And we're going to show you in the word how good God is, because, you know, you could be, uh, depending on the nature of your work, you know, I have a brother that is a state trooper. My brother is always in harm's way, uh, just as part of the nature of his job. So there is a grace upon my brother. The blood of Jesus is over him to keep him. But then some of us, we, we maybe we just go to an office every day. But still, there are things that the enemy has set to distract us, to deter us, to set us up for, uh, for destruction. And, and that's regardless of, of where you are. And that's what this word snare means. It means it's a trap, it's, but it's a specific kind of trap. It's a snare, it's been devised, it's been plotted, it's been sourced out, it's been uh, uh, staked out. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the enemy behind it, the fowler behind it knows exactly what he's doing because he's been watching, he's been stalking, he's been planning. And the message for today is that the Lord will preserve you from every trouble, from every trap of the enemy, whether it's known, whether you can see it, or whether it's unknown, meaning you can't see it. Hallelujah. You can say glory to God to that. I know I say amen to that. So then we're going to talk about David, and we're going to talk about, um, you know, some of the traps that the enemy had set for him. And David was a person that God had called, that God had ordained. Uh, but how many know that just because God calls you, ordained you, just because you gave your life to the Lord and he exchanged, you know, your sin nature, he took that sin nature from you and in exchange gave you his righteous nature. That doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't plan traps and snares and that, you know, sometimes we even fall into those traps and snares, but the Lord has made a way to preserve us, to keep us out of it. And even if we fall, the Lord has a way of bringing us back up. Hallelujah. The Lord is merciful. So we're going to go to first Samuel, uh, first Samuel chapter 16. And, um, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time, but then we're going to go uh, to 17, 18, show you a few verses, then we're going to go to Psalm 18, and, uh, and you're going to be blessed. Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is um, the prophet Samuel. We talked about this in recent weeks. I'm not going to read every verse. I'm just going to kind of give you a synopsis, but this is the prophet Samuel, and we know uh, from the life, and I have a son named Samuel, glory to God. Samuel means God hears. Uh, he was one of the greatest prophets of the Old and the New Testament. Samuel was. Um, the Lord ordained him uh, with a mighty ordination. And if you want to be technical, you could say he was a child that was never, that, that didn't look like he was ever going to be because his mother, Hannah, couldn't have children and um, she was barren. And so if you're under the sound of my voice and you haven't had your children yet, it's not too late. The Lord knows how to, the Lord will, will make a way. You know, if the Lord, and the Lord has done that countless times all throughout the word of God. Women who have desired children, you know, husbands and wives who have desired a family and they haven't been able to have one, the Lord has a way of making it happen. And whether that means you adopt and then, you know, next thing you know, your body is fruitful and you actually have the children from your own body, but it doesn't matter whether they're from your body or whether you adopt, they're your children and the Lord will bless you in that way. So anyway, Samuel comes and he's a great prophet, mighty prophet of God. And the basically that at this time, the children of Israel are desiring a king. And Samuel is the prophet, and he's just, it's his job to just say what the Lord is telling him to say. And so anytime Samuel showed up, people got nervous because they, they were hoping that he would say something good, right? And so anyway, the people of God wanted a king, and God really didn't want him to have a king. He wanted to just 
He wanted them to just worship him and he be their king. But he knew that they were not mature enough for that. So he said, okay, I'm gonna give you a king. And then, you know, the Lord anoints Saul and, and everybody likes Saul because he's the class clown, and but he's also the class valedictorian. And then he's the high school quarterback that throws touchdowns every game. And then he's the prom king and he's handsome, he's tall. Everything got it going on. Everybody loves Saul, right? Well, the problem is that Saul didn't have a real, he really didn't have a heart for the Lord, but God anoints him anyway, and he does some amazing things, and God blesses him, and then all of a sudden, things start going uh, sideways, because Saul didn't really, he didn't really have a heart for God, and so basically in Psalm, 1, in Psalm chapter, First uh, Samuel chapter 16, God tells Samuel, basically, that he's done with Saul, and I'm going to get me, I need to know, I'm going to, I'm going to send you to Bethlehem to anoint me a king. And the Lord knew what he was doing because he knew that Jesus was, was, was called to come from the line of Jesse, from the town of Bethlehem, from the line of David. You know, Jesse was David's father. So verse one says, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long are you gonna mourn for Saul? Can't you see I rejected him from reigning, I'm paraphrasing, from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, get up and go. I'm gonna send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite because I've already provided myself a king among his sons. Oh my God. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he's going to kill me. Now look at the difference here. Just yesterday, just last week, Saul was, you know, Samuel was just as excited about Saul as everybody else because the Lord has anointed, has anointed him. And I'm being, you know, it's not exactly last week, but it wasn't that long ago that the Lord had anointed Saul. And now this is what happens when somebody is in power or in authority who God hasn't anointed to be there. Or, 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 or who doesn't have a heart for God to be able to stay there. Because that's what it comes down to, is having a, a heart for the Lord. Um, and all of a sudden now, this person has completely going, uh, Saul has, has turned into a complete psychopath to where he is outside, he's out of bounds completely. And, and Samuel recognizes it. And he knows, you know, if Saul finds out that, you know, that he might try to come against Samuel and kill him. But of course, if the Lord gives us a mission, then the Lord is with us. So the Lord tells him, just take a heifer with you and say, and just tell him, I'm, I'm going to go sacrifice to the Lord. And he called Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'm going to show you what to do after that. And then you're going to anoint him, and I'm, and I'm going to name the one that I want, right? So the Lord tells him all that. And then we know the story, you know, uh, he, he, you know, Jesse has all, he brings all his sons in, all the, you know, the oldest ones, the smartest ones, the, the ones that have the most going for them. And the Lord, you know, none of them was the one that the Lord called. And it's almost like Jesse doesn't recognize the potential that his son David has. You know, David was just the little shepherd boy. He was the pastor. He was, a, you know, some theologians believe he was only 10 years old. Some say he was around 15. So he was somewhere in that area, but he was kind of an oversight. He was overlooked by his parents. And so I'll let that be an encouragement to some of you today. If you feel like you are overlooked, if you feel like, you know, the people in your life are not recognizing the, the gift and the call that's upon you, you know, don't fret about that because the Lord has a way of letting that rise. The Bible says that a man's or a woman's gift will make room for him and take him before great men. So be encouraged, even if others don't recognize the potential and what you're capable of, the Lord knows what he put in you and it'll be recognized by others. What we don't want to do is, is, uh, is be prideful. Uh, you know, the Bible says be, before honor, there's always humility. You know, if, if you want to be honored, then you should be seeking to be as humble as possible. And humble just means you putting other people before yourself, putting other people's interests before your own, 
Humility just means that you are not concerned about everybody else's business, that you are concerned about making sure you do what the Lord told you to do. That's humility. Hallelujah. And anyway, you know, David is gifted and it, it, it appears that Jesse doesn't recognize this, but that's okay because the Lord does. And we keep on reading verse 13, Samuel anoints David and the word of God says right at the same time, verse 13 says, and Samuel took the horn of oil. This is a very private ceremony. Okay. Very a special ceremony. The spirit of God comes upon David right at that moment that Samuel takes that horn of oil. And this is really powerful because, you know, sometimes you know, there are, there are those on this call that God has called you to do some mighty things, but you can't do it by yourself. The Lord will bring people into your life that will speak into your life, that will mentor you, that will help you, that will pass you a baton. And, 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 they, don't, and they might even realize that the Lord is, is using them like Samuel, like God used Samuel with that horn of oil to anoint David in the midst of his brethren. And as soon as he did that, the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel went, he, Samuel leaves, but at the same time, verse 14 says, the spirit of the Lord left Saul, departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now we know that the evil spirits don't come from the Lord. So basically um, what this really means is that, is that uh, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul because, because Saul had rejected the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord left and that, that opened the door for an evil spirit to come to Saul and that evil spirit starts troubling Saul and watch what the Lord does the word of God says that Saul's servants told him hey there's an evil spirit that is troubling you if you want we can send some servants I'm, I'm paraphrasing we can send some servants this is verse 16 there is this boy that we know about this boy uh, that is really good on a harp and his name is David uh, he's the son of Jesse right now 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 Saul does not know that the prophet Samuel has already anointed David and that David is going to be the next king, that David is going to supplant Saul and take his position. So in, in essence, Saul has been fired by the spirit of God and Samuel knows it and David knows it and Jesse and his brothers, they all know it, but Saul doesn't know it. And meanwhile, Saul is troubled by this evil spirit. And what God does is, is God is such a merciful God. God uses the one that is getting ready to take Saul's job to come in and be a blessing to him in his time of need. And then it says um, that, that, you know, they, it goes on to say in verse 19, Saul sent messengers to Jesse. Can you send me your David with the sheep? And if you want to be technical, Jesse panics a little bit because any king, any command from the king, you know, you can't, it is what it is. You got to just do what the king says um, um, because the king is in authority. And so he's a little bit nervous. He's wondering why is, you know, why is all of this happening? And the Lord knew what he was doing. The Lord wanted to get David in, into that area, into that uh, king, into that castle, so to speak, and start to learn the business of what it means to be a king. The Lord was trying to set David up, get him around the right people and get him around the king because the Lord was, was getting him ready to, to, uh, to, take, to take authority. And now we're talking this morning about how the Lord will preserve you from trouble. So this is all good, right? It sounds great. The Lord has anointed David. He's going to be king one day. You know, um, um, God's hand is on him. This is a special thing. This sounds wonderful, right? But there's the Lord will preserve us because there is trouble. There are traps that the enemy has set that he wants us to fall into. And some of them we can see, but some of them we can't see. And then the verse says in verse 21, then David came to Saul. He stood before him. And, he, and, and it says, and, and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. So Saul, you know, Saul loved David, but I think this means that David loved Saul. 
and David became his armor bearer. And that was not a small thing. That was a big deal. And then now, now keep in mind, this is just a little shepherd boy, 10 to 15 years old. And, and he all of a sudden he becomes armor bearer to the king of Israel. And Saul said to Jesse, um, let him stand before me. He, uh, he's found favor in my sight. Verse 23 says, and it came to pass, whenever the evil spirit, and this was a tormenting spirit, if you study it out, it was a spirit that caused uh, Saul mental disorder. We've been talking a lot about mental disorders. Uh, that's what this evil spirit did. It was causing Saul mental disorder. It was causing Saul to have uh, OCD or, uh, or um, uh, PS, uh, PS, what is it? PS post-traumatic stress disorder, P PS, you know what I'm trying to say. Thank you. You know what I'm trying to say. I just hurt my wife. She's my helper. There it is. Y'all know what I'm saying. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul. Look what happens because God anointed David. Now, not only was he a mighty shepherd that was killing bears and lions and tigers and, and delivering and protecting his sheep from harm's way and keeping them and guiding them and loving on them, taking care of them. Not only did he have all that going, but he also was really skilled with a heart. And many of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the wisest people of that time, they believed that music had the power to help people that had mental and emotional disorders. And I think we can all say amen to that. We know that music is extremely powerful. So David took a harp and he played with his hand and it says Saul was refreshed and was well. And every time David played that harp, the evil spirit left Saul. Look at that, hallelujah. David had such an anointing, he started playing music and he cast the devil out of, uh, out of Saul, out of, out, of his, out of his mentor, out of the king. So we're talking about how Lord will preserve us from trouble. And then I'm going to move on to uh, chapter 17. Basically what happens is we know that Goliath uh, and the Philistines, they come to defy the armies of God. And basically God, you know, the, the uh, armies of God and Israel, they're fearful. Nobody wants to move because Goliath stood um, like way taller than anybody had ever seen any human man. Um, so everybody was afraid. But God anoints David, uh, this little boy, to, um, to basically get this great victory, and he takes the head of the greatest warrior of the Philistines. And after, after that, he gets promoted. So verse 18, so we skip over on the chapter 18, David gets promoted into the king's service. And then I want you to just see this. He, he develops a special brotherhood with the, king's, with the king's son. The king's son was named Jonathan. And says, and when it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul, that, that the soul of Jonathan, this is uh, Saul's son, was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And, and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Now, this is really powerful. And David, he's just a shepherd boy. He loves the Lord. Then he comes to the king's service as an armor bearer and he loves Saul. Then, you know, he does this amazing, he has this amazing mighty day where he defeats Goliath and gets promoted. And now Jonathan loves David. So everybody loves David. He's true to his name. He's beloved. Okay. He loves, he, he is loved by everybody. And he also loves everybody. David, right? He's true to his name. His name means beloved. He makes a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And it says, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and his girdle. Now that was significant. He was basically saying, everything I have, David, is yours. Even though we're not blood brothers, you're my brother, right? This is powerful. Now it says in verse five, David went out wherever Saul sent him and he behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over, sent him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people. So basically now, um, 
David's stock is rising. But now here we go, verse six, here we go. This is where things get crazy. Verse six says, and it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women, and if you study it out, it wasn't just women, it was children. This was kind of like a, almost like an oriental ceremony that was common at that time. Whenever there was a great victory, the women and the children would dance, they would sing songs to welcome back the people who won the victory uh, on behalf of the nation, you know, the soldiers that had fought in the war. So it says that the women came out of all the cities of Israel. They were singing, they were dancing to meet King Saul, and they had tabrets with joy and instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, verse 7, and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And here we go. Verse 8 says, and Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed but thousands. And what can he have but more than the kingdom? And then it's verse nine. There it is. It says, and Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now David's in trouble. Now God had called David. There was a mighty uh, grace from God upon David. He was a blessing to everybody. It seemed like he was not a curse to anybody. And God had plans because of his faithfulness with those sheep. God knew that he would be faithful when it came to his sheep you know, which were, was basically all Israel and God was pleased with David. But now here comes trouble because there's somebody else that's in that position right now that is fired and they don't even realize it, but now they can see it. They can see that the Lord's hand is on David and now Saul, Saul changed. Now this is, now keep in mind, David was the, you know, Saul loved David early on and David is the one that would come around and that evil spirit would leave Saul. But now it says, and Saul, I, David, from that day forward. And what that word I means was that there was, there was evil plotting going on. He was trying to snare David. He was ready to kill David, basically. Verse 10 says, and it came to pass the next day that that evil spirit, here it comes again, that evil spirit came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And, and this is what happened. That evil spirit came upon Saul and David started playing the music to try to help Saul and the word of God says, just like he always did, as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul threw that javelin. He cast the javelin where he said, I will smite David even to the wall with this, with it. Now, see how he's, now he has lost his mind. He's going to go and kill. Not only is he going to kill a young man, a young boy that loves him, that has been there for him, his armor bearer, that got him a mighty victory, that saved the entire nation from the Philistines, and also was his personal bodyguard and, spur and, and personal prayer warrior, intercessor, that cast the devil out every time he played music. Now, all of a sudden, the devil has twisted Saul's mind, and he's going to kill that person. And on top of all of that, this is God's anointed he's coming against. And you know what the word God says about his anointed? It says, don't touch his anointed, and don't do his prophets any harm right? But now it says David, David, he tried to kill David with that javelin while David was trying to help him. And look what it says, the Lord preserved David from trouble. And David avoided out of his presence, not once, but twice. And then verse 12 says, and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and because the Lord had departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from him. And now watch this. Now Saul is starting to plot. Now we talked about that word snare, that it means that it's not just a trap. You know, that word snare in Psalm 124, verse 7, the word talks about how the Lord is, will, will make us escape like a bird from, uh, from that trouble that's known and unknown. That, that snare, that trap that's known or unknown, that is a specific kind of trap set just for us, 
just at that time, the Lord will deliver us from that, right? Right here, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 13. And it says, therefore Saul removed David from him. And look what Saul does. Saul, it says, Saul makes him captain over a thousand. And then he went out and came in before the people. And basically this was kind of a demotion. God, uh, Saul basically makes David now one of those soldiers that go in and out of the kingdom and that are basically in harm's way all the time. It's one of those positions where you go out, but we don't know if you're coming back. And Saul, and, and it's likely that you're not coming back because of the kind of work that you're doing. And Saul's plan was that, you know, I'm going to let, I, I, you know, I'm not, you know, he was afraid of, uh, he, he wasn't really afraid of David. He was really afraid because he had been rejected by God. And that was because he rejected the Lord himself. And so now he's afraid of David and he wants to kill David. So now he's setting David up. This is a snare. This is a trap. This is a conspiracy and a setup to have David killed, but it doesn't look like it is, but it's definitely a snare. And we said that the Lord will preserve us from trouble, known and unknown. Then verse 14 says, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And this is, this is the operative point, church, if you're with me this morning, that the Lord is with you. He is with you when you're in trouble. He is with you. He will bring you out of trouble, according to Psalm chapter 91, and he'll even honor you as you come out of trouble, okay? The Lord will always preserve us from trouble, from, from the traps of the enemy, from the snares of the enemy, whether we can see them or not, whether they're known and unknown, the Lord will bring us out. And then it says in verse um, uh, verse 14, he, David behaves himself wise in the perfect, perfect way. The Lord was with him. Verse 15 says, and then Saul, Saul, that David was behaving himself wisely, that he was with the Lord. And he was, it says, look, look how much it says Saul was afraid of David. Uh, see what fear does. Fear makes you do crazy things. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And it seemed like whatever dangerous mission, whatever stealth mission that David was sent on that he shouldn't come back from, he always came back. They knew that God's hand was on them and it made them proud and it made them feel grateful that God has sent them David. And you know, when, when people are proud of you, when it's evident that you are gifted and that God's hand is on you, but that you also have humility, you know what that does? That causes you to get promoted. It makes people want to see you promoted. It makes people want you to take charge. It, it, makes, people, it makes people trust you to be in charge because it's such a great responsibility to have authority and to be in charge. And says, verse 17 says, and Saul said to David, behold, my elder daughter Merab, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, let not my hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. Here's another trap he's trying to set David on. He's telling, trying to tell David, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a portion of my kingdom by bringing you into my family, by giving you one of my daughters, my daughter Merab. You know, but now Saul had no intention of giving David Merab. Um, he just wanted David to uh, he wanted to give David an ultimatum. Hey, I'll give you this if you go over here and fight this battle. Because again, Saul is sure that if he goes out in this battle, he's not coming back. And that, and that was Saul's aim. Um, and verse 18 says, and David said unto Saul, who am I? What is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it came to pass at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to another person, to Adriel, right? And that's another trap. The, the, you know, Saul's thinking was that if I'm going to promise this, my daughter, and I'm not going to give him to David, and let's see what David thinks about that. Let's see if David, you know, makes it easy for me to kill him. Maybe he'll try to come at me, and it'll be easy for me to kill him. That was another snare of the enemy, 
okay? And the Lord, you know, God is so faithful. He knows that on your way to work last week, that there was something that was in the road that would have caused you to be in an accident. And so what did the Holy Spirit do? He made you, he made it so you couldn't find your keys that morning so that you missed that, that, that terrible snare of the enemy. You know, he made it so that, you know, you were on your way to work and you never do this, you know, but you felt compelled to stop and get a cup of coffee, you know, and you missed danger. Or he made it so that you, instead of you going the way you always go, for some reason, you know, you end up going a different way that day. The Lord knows how to bring us out of snares. And it can be very subtle like that, or it can be even more dramatic, like what God is doing to preserve David. God's got to go through a lot of lengths to preserve David. And then it says in verse 20, and Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. Here we go again. Look at the favor on David. So Samuel loves David. We know his, his Jesse's father, you know, his father Jesse loves him, but Samuel the prophet loves David. Then Saul first loves David. Then he comes into the king's uh, kingdom and, and Saul's son, Jonathan, loves David. Now Saul's daughter, Michal, loves David. And it says, and Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him, because um, I think he figured Michal was just a simple girl or something like that. But you're going to see how the Lord, the Lord uses Michal to preserve David. And Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him. Look at him. He's just trying to trap David every way he can. And the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, thou shalt this day be my son-in-law and one of the and, and, uh, and one of the twain. Right. And basically what he's saying, OK, you can come on and be my son-in-law. Here's my daughter, uh, Michelle. You can have this one. And, and David knows something's up. He knows that Saul's behavior is, unre is, is, is crazy, right? It doesn't make any sense. And he's starting to get a little concerned about his safety, but he's trusting the Lord. And Saul commanded his servants saying, commune with David secretly. Look at this. Look how blatant this is. Look at this trap. Saul commanded his servants. This is the king's servants. They, they, they probably love David too. Everybody else does. And they don't want to obey the, the command of the king, but they have to. It's the king's command. And he tells his servants, commune with David secretly and tell him the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. And, and, and now, therefore, be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke those words to the ears of David. And David said, wow, this is crazy. You know, David's like, man, I can't believe this is happening. Seemeth it to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law? That's what David is saying. I can't believe this is happening. This is amazing. Seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed, I'm just my father's, you know, uh, a sheep, sheep keeper, shepherd, right? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, on this manner spake David. So, so now look how the enemy does. The enemy will try to lull us to sleep and get us comfortable, and they'll try to trap us, right? Try to ensnare us. And verse, and verse 25 says, and Saul said, thus shall you say to David, the king desires not any dowry, but a hundred forty, and here's another trap. He's saying, he, he's setting them up, you know, tell David, I don't need any dowry for you to have my wife, but what I do need is a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged. And, and, and it says, but Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistine. He's trying to, I think, I think I'm losing count. This might be the fourth, the fifth time he tried to trap David to get him killed. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. David wasn't even intimidated about this, another stealth mission. He just, as far as he was concerned, the Lord was with him. He's going to go out, he's going to come back, and now he's going to be promoted and have a wife. Wow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, uh, verse 27 says, wherefore David arose and went, he and his men and they slew of the Philistines 
200 men. And David brought those four foreskins that they might give them in full tale to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul couldn't deny it. He had to give David the one that he once killed and, 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 and you know, destroyed. He had to give David his daughter to wife. And the first wife that, that Saul promised, her name, uh, Merab, her name meant increase. But the wife that, that Saul ends up having to give to David, her name is meant who is like God. And you tell me if he got the right wife. No, the first one, her name was Merab, which just meant increase. It sounds great. But the one that he ended up getting, her name meant who is like God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think he made out all right, don't you? Then I want you to see this in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're skipping down there. Um, we got to close in a minute here. 1 Samuel chapter 18, we're talking about how the Lord will preserve us from trouble known and unknown over and over and over again. Whether you can see that trap and discern that it is a trap or not, the Lord will preserve you. He will deliver you. He will keep you. Verse, uh, verse 28 of 1 Samuel chapter 18 says, and Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Mishael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David. I think that's like the fifth time in this chapter that it says that Saul was afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. Man. Then it says in verse 30, then the princes of the Philistines went forth and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name was much so that his name was much set by, meaning now his stock is rising. And if we keep on reading, we'll see that it got so bad that David, that Saul made so many attempts at David's life that his wife, at one point, his wife, uh, Saul's daughter, had to save David and get him out of there, get him out of harm's way. Jonathan had to save uh, Saul's son. All these people that loved David, they had, to, they, had to, they had seen that their father had lost his mind, that he had an evil spirit that made him want to touch God's anointed and destroy God's anointed. And so they are trying to, they, they love David. They're trying to keep David alive. They're trying to protect David from their own father who wanted him dead. And then, at, and we keep on seeing at some point, because David has such a heart for the Lord, David actually had an attempt to take Saul out himself and he didn't do it. And you know why he didn't do it? Because he had such a respect for the anointing of God that if somebody has, even if they're not anointed anymore, if somebody has, been anointed at one time in their life. The anointing is so precious, don't touch him. And so David doesn't take that opportunity. He doesn't kill his father-in-law, who he loved, who he admired, who was a mentor, who was a person that first brought him into the king, the kingship and being around the, the king's business. You know, David was really conflicted at that time. And I want to let that lead us over here to Psalm chapter 18. We're talking about how the Lord will preserve us from trouble known and unknown. Psalm chapter 18 this was a Psalm of David. And this is one of those things that when he would spend time with the Lord and he would write, he didn't even realize that the Holy Spirit was using him to write Psalm chapter 18, along with a whole bunch of other Psalms that the Holy Spirit would later use for you and for, for me to speak to us. And this is what it says in Psalm chapter 18, I'm closing, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. Look at this. this I love that David doesn't even identify himself as the, as the king of Israel, or as the one that defeated Goliath. He didn't even identify himself as uh, the shepherd of Jesse's sheep. He calls himself the servant of the Lord. We call him King David, and we call him the one that, that slew Goliath, the one that was a great shepherd that killed lions and bears when they would try to take the sheep away. 
You know, we, we call him that, but he calls himself the servant of the Lord. There's that humility. So to the chief musician of Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke unto the Lord the words of this song. David is writing songs and he's singing to the Lord. He wrote the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies. That's the Philistines and a whole bunch of other people too. Uh, the whole, that whole thing with Ziklag that we learn about later in David's career, all his enemies, and from the hand of Saul. Wow, look how it says that separately. And from the hand of Saul, because I believe that, that David loved Saul. He knew that, that later on that Saul was trying to kill him, but he still didn't quite consider Saul an enemy. He loved Saul. And he loved Saul's daughter, Michelle, his wife. And he loved Saul's son, Jonathan, you know, uh, and he loved Saul and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, mm. my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And if you study this word rock, this word rock, um, it's a Hebrew word that means it's a, it's a lofty and high place, you know, almost like a mountain, right? The Lord is my rock, but he's also my fortress. That word fortress means that the Lord is my defense and he's my protector, like a high fort. When I get to that lofty high mountain, he's my defense and my fortress when I get there. And then it says he's my deliverer. And that means that the Lord is our secure way of escape as long as we stay there in that lofty high place, that rock. He is our fortress. He is our defense when we get there, but that he's also our deliverer. He's our security and our way of escape as long as we remain there. You know, the Lord is so good. He's not just your God. He's a person and he's not just your God. He's also a refuge. He's your, he's a place. He's not just a person. The father, the word is not just a person. The Lord is also a place and it's, he's a refuge and that place, it's a secret place. Hallelujah. The Lord knows how to preserve you from trouble. The Lord knows how to preserve me from trouble. I got to close right now, but I want to encourage you today that the Lord is with you. And that even if you can see, whether you can see the trouble that is threatening you right now, that is threatening, you know, your life, that is threatening your livelihood, or whether you can't see it, the Lord is your preserver. He will keep you. You know what your job is? Your job and my job is to just stay with him. Hallelujah. We got to stay with him. We stay with him and the Lord will do what he does. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to worship the Lord for just a few minutes. Father, I thank you for all of the listeners today. I thank you, Lord God, that your presence is resting upon them and that you are their preserver from all trouble. I thank you, Lord God, that you keep them. I thank you, Lord God, that you cause them to escape like a bird from the snare of the fowler. We thank you, Lord God, that the snare is broken. Lord, I ask you to open up their eyes that they may see the wonders of your word. But I ask you, Lord, to also open their eyes to discern the, the, the devices of the enemy, Lord, that according to your word, we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. We thank you, Lord God, that you are faithful and that you have made a, a way of escape that we can bear. We thank you, Lord God, that it's your goodness and your mercy that's extended to us, that keeps us, that, that makes us whole, that keeps us on the path called straight. And we thank you, Lord God, that we shall not be moved to the left nor the right. We thank you, Lord God, that our eyes look right on, that we are, our faces are set like a flint, that we shall fulfill the high calling of God that you have placed upon our lives. And we worship and thank you for it right now, Lord. If you're still, if you're with us, I want to ask you to lift your hands. We're going to worship the Lord for a few moments. And, uh, and for those listeners that are not with us live, you be encouraged. The Lord loves you. And you come back and make sure you listen to this message again. And we'll see you next time.